Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Sean Siriani, and we have a great guest for you. Today on the show, we are with Polaris-nominated DJ and producer. He goes by the name of Paul Chin, and his work is outstanding. Right now, he's about to release an album called Full Spectrum, I got an exclusive listen to this front to back, and it is absolutely awesome. Around him doing all the music, it has a ton of amazing features from Toronto rap legend Chad, Desiree Dawson, and many more. And this piece of work is just so smooth. And what's cool about having a producer like him on the show, um, around hearing his story, I really picked his brain about different production stuff and it was cool to just hear the layers and layers of work he puts into this and what makes him so special is his overall diverse influences from not only hip-hop and jazz but he also looks for things outside the box and gets a lot of inspiration from music from anime and video game scores And near the end of this conversation, we dive into that stuff and ask him some hard-hitting questions like, who is his favorite Pokemon? And yeah, this one's a really fun one. Paul was a great guy to talk to. And if you want to listen to Full Spectrum, it's being released at the end of the week on March 20th. Definitely check that out. And I want to remind you, if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TalkShoe, or any of your favorite podcast listening apps that each and every one of these episodes has its own homepage at www.girthradio.com and on there you'll see a picture of me and Paul in the studio links to his work and anything related that we talked about today also another thing he is scheduled to have a release party for this at the Rivoli on April the 2nd and as you know the way the world is the coronavirus, the entertainment industry, everything is really up in the air right now of gatherings. Lots of shows have been canceled, and uh, this one's kind of on standby. But I will keep you posted as the next few weeks unfold, and if it's still on, we'll definitely promote it in our Instagram stories or Facebook and everything. And um, yeah, I really hope this shit blows over. I'm not going to get into it too much. I might make... um a solo episode as some bonus content this week um is there's so many layers of the arts and entertainment industry and not only for the artists and tours getting canceled but um around it there is so many different jobs from stagehands av companies pr people photographers videographers who are just out of work right now and it's the unknown and uh, I'm very, I'm trying very much to be optimistic about it. And um, it's kind of interesting. Like some people have been giving me flack for having that kind of attitude or even kind of making a joke of the lay of the land at this current time. But um, yeah, I just want to say this stuff is actually affecting me and kind of keeping a positive mindset or maybe having a laugh once in a while actually gives me strength. And um, I also believe with an optimistic attitude, it actually helps. And I don't think being positive means you're ignoring the critical problem that's going on. I feel like if you can look to the horizon and keep a clear head, you're going to find solutions and different strategies to to deal with whatever problems may come tomorrow. And I don't think being optimistic is being blind. It's important to be aware, share knowledge, take precaution, but um, also on the other side of the, the coin, I don't think fear-mongering is the way to move forward. So be aware, be safe, take care of your neighbor, but try to reduce as much stress as you can because honestly, um, I've seen it in so many different ways that stress legitimately kills. And, um, oh, it's funny. I'm, I'm just going on a tangent. I said I, I wasn't going to and maybe use this for another episode, but that's all I'm going to say about that right now. 
Hope you enjoy these episodes. I got a bunch more that are pre-recorded. And uh, again, going back to getting some flack, um, I think I'm going to record more. Some people have advised me not to, but um, again, I want to let you know I'm taking some precautions um, if we happen to do it in the studio, I'll be sure to Lysol wipe everything. The mics, make sure it's a safe environment for my guests. And not pressure anybody who doesn't want to be outside or come meet me to do one of these. Um, it's just up in the air, um, sending out some feelers. But um, yeah, somebody recently was kind of giving me flack for wanting to go outside. But uh let you know too i live in a basement apartment there's a tiny window and um even though everything's doom and gloom out there i need fresh air and a little bit of social interaction or i'm gonna go crazy i've already been isolated for like three days also i think doing an episode this week is kind of harmless compared to going to a grocery store where there's a hundred people all touching everything and you know what? Having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an artist and a friend isn't that bad. And in the end, it's going to make me feel good to give you guys some more content. I'm not judging anybody if they want to lock themselves away in a room for the next six months. But um, I am going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to be careful, but I refuse to live in fear. So you're going to get more of these. Whether you're down with my actions or not, all right? But, fuck, I'm, again, this is, I'm going on a second tangent. I, <laughs> I feel like there's, it's just, it's been a weird, the world is weird right now, and there's just so much to say. But, uh, yes, again, like, these shows aren't about me, it's about my guests. So, we're going to get into this one, and here's your new favorite producer, Paul Chin, coming at you right now! Music uh, has been a lifelong thing in various ways. So, I mean, I just don't really, I don't really know a life without it or a life external to it. You know, my mom had me in piano lessons at age four um, and both my parents are teachers. So they were also very much like, you know, you're going to be an overachiever. You don't have a say in the matter. You're going to be an overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> so like I was doing private piano lessons and then also like in school when I was old enough, I was like in music classes and band and all of that stuff there. And I was like learning a bunch of instruments over the years and all of that other kind of stuff. So like music has always been just a fact of life for me. Um, and also because it started at such a, early age and started pretty much from such an academic perspective. I like still have very much like a music student's mindset. Like I listen to things and I'm trying to figure out what's happening in there. I'm trying to like draw the connections, f make connections, figure out what this is related to and all this other kind of stuff. That's just how I listen to music. It's really cool. Um, and so like, I, I think that I had like a pretty standard, like, uh, I guess upbringing as a consumer of music, which is, you know, you like become a teenager and all of a sudden, you know, you're developing your own taste. And, you know, at the time when I was growing up, like CD burners were just a thing. So I had my yeah, one yeah. friend, uh, Robert, who like had the CD burner and the lime wire and he was like burning all these mixed CDs and hustling them everywhere. So like, that, yeah, those like, were exciting times. Yeah. Too. So yeah. he was the one who would like give me all these CDs and it was just like, all the stuff that was like popping everywhere. Right. And so that was the time when I started basically falling in love with like hip hop. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah. falling in love with uh, uh, like contemporary sounds as well as old school sounds as well. Um, you know, this is like the early two thousands, which is like in my mind, the most 
sonically diverse and adventurous kind of period in in hip hop. So it was like all of these just crazy sounds that like didn't like individually or in isolation none of that stuff like sounded like what we knew as music which mm-hmm. is like instruments of some sort right um and uh yeah that was kind of like the other side of the coin where it's like cool i'm like first thing in the morning i'm at like band practice and i'm playing like the clarinet or the saxophone or whatever and then you know by lunchtime i'm getting this new cd and like when i go home i'm like listening to all these cds uh of of whatever else is out there and kind of like listening to all this other stuff so like my and but of course it's like i didn't know anything else so that's that's everything to me right yeah, like that's yeah. that all of those things are just music and um yeah so like by the time i like you know, turn 17 and like I'm leaving home for the first time and uh, all of a sudden like don't have music classes, don't have music teachers or whatever. And it's just kind of like, oh, I'm on my own. And uh, I guess if I'm going to continue to like have music in my life in any other way than just you consume music, then it's just going to be up to me right yeah That's, yeah it's kind of like on your watch yeah, now you gotta take an extra that was really yeah. the moment and i distinctly remember that feeling of oh well yeah like everything i knew or like a bit such a large portion of what i knew about how you consume or like how you how i relate to music just stopped yeah because the 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 format or the vehicles by which that was just delivered to me as like you know, a school-aged child who just, like, has to be at certain places at certain times all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, open-world mode. That's, that was all done, and it was yeah. just kind of like, yeah, you can do anything. You can just do anything. Um, and, yeah, I was, like, living in Costa Rica at the time, and I'm like, cool, I have all of this music education or whatever and all this, like, formal background in music. Meanwhile, everybody in the entire country just plays the guitar. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't. Like, the guitar is an instrument I never learned, and that was kind of, like, a thing that made me think, oh, yeah, there's people who just do this unprompted. Mm-hmm. Um, you were probably uh, very valuable to them, though, too, because if every, everybody's just uh, playing guitar, like they need <laughs> they need something else, you know, like for yeah. a track or whatever. Like, yeah. Did you find like people were pulling your arm in different ways, like trying to? Uh, not really. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple friends. Like, I was briefly in like a cover band or whatever. We played like one show, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm not doing this. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not feeling. carrying. I'm not carrying drums everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not carrying drums everywhere to play other people's music. Um. But yeah, that was kind of the time when I was like, cool, I have like, you know, my first MacBook and I have an abundance of free time. I'm going to teach myself guitar, uh, garage band. And nice, yeah, that's nice. like me starting to just make beats. And yeah. Do you remember like the first uh, thing you attempted to record or like the first idea or concept? Or uh, Yeah, probably. So. Hmm. It yeah so there's probably a couple different versions of it that like I went through but I distinctly remember just kind of like being like let me play with these stock sounds in GarageBand and they weren't great and I wasn't great with them and it was just like cool let me piece this together this can this sits here this is kind of like a breakbeat this is this like weird toy organ kind of sound here's like something that I guess is like a bass line uh, piano is like my main instrument so I probably had that in there as well but then like i remember listening to this and then i listened to like the stuff that i like and i was like these are oh these are not the same (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) these are not the same um so you know like yeah that's a big part of that was like a very early part of like my process was just work sitting with the same garbage track for like months on end trying to figure out why what is missing or what is wrong with this or what am I not doing? Um, And like at the same time, I'm now, okay, cool. Music production, like beat making now is a thing that I'm into. So now this is like a big part of like how I spend my time on Google, right? Now I'm like looking up how do people do things, looking up where do people get certain sounds, like scouring forums and all kinds of like, sketchy parts of the internet trying to find like zip <laughs> files with like just blaze drum kits or yeah, the Neptunes, royalty free <laughs> neptunes drum kits and all of this stuff and i found a lot of that yeah. stuff um 
But then eventually, like, you know, you start kind of switching things in and out and being like, oh, is this what I want or does this work? Uh, And at the end of the day, it's just kind of like you have to let a garbage beat go. (laughs) Like, if you make a beat and it's garbage and it continues to be garbage for too long, like, it's not going to get any better did you feel without like, becoming uh, something else? Yeah. Did you feel like at the beginning you try to like hold on to things like a little too long? Or? I think I just really wanted to understand what I wanted to do. I think I just really wanted to understand like how would I make like I have the like in my head. This is what I think it's like that meme is like this is what you think you're doing. And then this is what you're actually doing. <laughs> yeah. Um and I and for me, it was just kind of like, but I have such a clear vision in my head or like clear sense in my head of what this should sound like and what and what I want it to do, um, because like I've like spent hours and hours and hours listening to all of this reference material. And I know what makes, you know, like a Pharrell drum loop different than like a Timbaland drum loop or di- like all of these things. Like I know what my favorites are doing. And I, I just don't know how to even replicate that, let alone do anything for myself. Yeah, that sounds like quite the journey, too. And kudos to you, too, like just wanting to dive into it that far. And it's it's awesome, like, to hear your evolution, too, because I listened to uh, Full Spectrum this week, too. And it's just so smooth and, like, amazing, man. Thank it's you. It's cool. That's really, you. really cool. Thank you. So, yeah, like, I think a big part of – and I think a big part of, like, going from that to, like, what I have now – uh, like I like honestly, I haven't thought about these old beats like in years, mm-hmm. and now in having conversation with it and being forced to like remember what I was doing then versus what I do now. Like I, yeah, like my process in the studio now or like writing now is just so far removed from any of that. What I which I just described, like every like because I'm now at a place now where I'm like, oh, I know what. I want to do it. I know what I'm doing. I like feel like I just don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, like all of that had to happen in order to get to this place. Like every, every like producer or yeah, like every producer I know who, uh, you know, tells the story of like, how did you get started? How did you get started? Or how did you like learn to do this? Uh, we all have the same answer, which is I really liked beats by so-and-so and I just tried to make those and <laughs> did a bad job of it. And and that's the that's the yeah. kind of, that's the thing, right? Like you just keep doing a terrible, terrible job of this until you realize I actually the thing that like actually makes me love, you know, beats by the RZA or Dre or the Neptunes or Timbaland or whomever is like actually probably something that lies inherent to them yeah yeah it's individualism it's something that lies inherent to them and you know is special about them and the way that they did it at a time when nobody else was doing it um and i think you know like i still definitely have very clear like at least i can hear it in everything that i do i have very clear ties to like you know certain producers uh and certain acts that like really really influenced me and i still love and i still listen to and study heavily today um but it became less and less about me trying to me just trying to make beats that they already made and it started being about okay like what do i what do i have within me or what do i want to say or what is what exactly is my own style or sound yeah, or yeah. way of doing these things yeah definitely like i truly believe everybody has like something unique and only to them and it's amazing when i can see other artists tap into that like on the show i get comedians filmmakers all different musicians and like some of the best ones are when you hear something that nobody else can replicate you know it's just and it's takes time to find that as well too and it seems like you really put in the time to figure that out within yourself like i think that's really i think that's really been the hardest the most difficult or like the least instinctive thing for me. Um, Because again, like not having, you know, gone to school for like this part of music, which is now so significant to me, but also like having 
literally gone to school for the majority of my life yeah, uh, yeah. or of my, the majority of my like musical experience. Um, yeah. Like having not gone to school for this, like really f- threw me kind of into the deep end and like really put me in a zone where it's just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm it gives e- you more space to explore. Which I don't know. Good yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to figure out like how, like how to, develop a cohesive sound um because like even tracing like the progression of like my first ep to now um it's like the 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 most difficult thing in every single one of those projects or like processes for those projects has always been like i've made a bunch of stuff now how do i infuse it with that one thing or how do i kind of like rein it all in so it sounds like the same person made all of these beats that sit next to each other on a project. And then with each subsequent one, you then also have the added aspect of like, not only how do I make these five tracks sound like the same person made them? How do I make these five tracks sound like the same person who made the last five or the last five or the five before that? How do you make them sound like that person made them without a, just making the same five tracks again and again and again, Mm -hmm. or without, uh, you know, just kind of giving up and being like, well, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the person who made like this last record, maybe that person doesn't matter. Or maybe that music doesn't matter anymore. Or maybe it was like, maybe we throw that all away and maybe we leave that behind. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that that temptation is very, very strong. Um, but I don't ever want to do that because like, I just know like how hard I worked on all of those things. And you know, even though they're not my best work to date, it was the best I could do at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's, and I think that that's important. I think that's something to like still honor and, uh, you know, recognize and continue to like celebrate because I think it's very, I think anybody who listens to, you know, my entire catalog all the way through is going to a be somebody who has too much time on their hands and is clear <laughs> and is clearly interested in this for whatever reason because no one's making you do that uh but also be somebody who probably will start to you know detect the patterns in like the matrix right yeah yeah um, probably see, yeah. see and hear like all the evolution ebbs and flows and stuff yeah do you do you find it like a little or like uh a more natural thing to find your signature sound now after time of doing so many different tracks and kind of like making the brand that like this sounds like me here. Yeah. So I definitely think that I, I, I have a comfortable sort of like sonic palette. And I mean that like literally, and I think like figuratively, like I, this is a practice I started a couple of years ago, which was that like, you know, after years and like I told you at the very beginning of my career um, or lack thereof, I was just trawling the internet for sounds everywhere and downloading everything. And then, you know, you get to like, you know, a decade after that or however long. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you have just a million sounds. You could make anything. Yeah. Your resources. Are you really could just make anything and it could sound like anything. Um, and like that's actually not helpful. <laughs> that's actually not helpful. So uh, a couple of years ago, I started doing this thing where like every year I'll just go through a bunch of my sounds and and just kind of like flag certain ones, and I'll just like keep them in one folder or one like directory or tag in Ableton, and I'll just be like, cool. This is next time I start working on like a new collection of things, I'm only pulling from these mm-hmm. because you could spend months just like auditioning sounds or auditioning synths or samples or whatever to be like, mm, do I like this? Do I like that? Could I use this? Could I use that? Yeah. And it was like, I'm you, sure the process can be, endless. you could, yeah. you could just use any of them. And if you actually don't, and again, this kind of goes back to like, if you don't know who you are musically, then not like listening to everything is just going to be like, if it's kind of like that thing, right? Right. Where it's like, if everything's special, then nothing's special. Um, and so it's like, if every sound is available, then, you know, like none of them are really yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, like I now go through things and I actually make a point of being like, okay, what do I want to use? What do I want to like loop into these things? I like will tweak and make adjustments to certain stock synths and whatever, like not a ton because I'm not like a trained engineer or whatever, but like I kind of get things sounding like something that I want and something that I know I'll want to use again and again. Um, and then I just like keep that folder and then it's easy to just kind of work with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to work with that stuff. Uh, and then once you like, once you just have that stuff, you can start just making a base for everything. You can make a bunch of different tracks with a very cohesive base. And at that point, that's when you can then be like, all right, now let me go back into these things that actually have a, have a, a sound or like a specific style or whatever of their own like they have a a personality already now and now i can actually like go and look for like the little flourishes and the flares and the new things to kind of keep it keep it sounding fresh yeah yeah how do you decide when the track is finished because it's your style it seems like it can be infinite with the tweaks the different layers of things you can add here and there is do you have like a certain process of when you're like this is done or do you just feel it uh, I think, I think a very good indicator is when I'm out of ideas, when I spend like three days just fiddling knobs around and adding and take subtracting and whatever. And then by the end of the three days, it's exactly where I picked it up yeah. <laughs> where I, exactly where I started. Cause that happens a lot. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's become a little easier now, particularly as I like have this like whole project which accidentally was full of features because that wasn't planned yeah, awesome features too, that wasn't that wasn't the plan um what at least when i started uh but yeah now like that i have stuff where i'm like thinking ahead and being like okay i'm actually going to have this guest on here uh it makes it a lot easier for me to leave room and just like uh plan for plan for like a voice being the thing that finishes this because before when I was, you know, largely making instrumental stuff and I still do, and I still love making stuff specifically instrumentally for release. Um, But yeah, when you do that, it's like, Oh, if you don't have vocals, then you have to make use of the like sonic landscape, right? You, you want to, you want to keep things interesting. You want to keep things uh, moving. You want to keep, you want to make sure that all the instruments and all the parts that you're playing in this thing feel as compelling or sound as compelling as like a voice taking you through a song, like narratively or conceptually or what have you. Right. Um, so when you do that kind of stuff, then that's really where you can really stack all the layers of everything so that you don't just end up with, okay, well I came up with three core loops and I just, ran those for and i just sequenced those for like four minutes yeah yeah that's cool and you you mentioned the features and i want to say uh one of my favorite songs on full spectrum is the one you did with shad and uh shad doesn't know this but back in the day he actually planted the seed that sent me in this direction that led to this podcast and uh yeah one day i want to have him in here and just tell him that whole story but uh how was it working with him he's he's a legend around here so. so shad I don't know if people can hear the smile forming on my face right now, yeah. but I love Shad. Uh, when I first moved to Canada, uh, the first Canadian, like Canadian contemporary act that I ever discovered was Shad. And this was me in my studio apartment. Uh, first time living on my own, had just this huge, like CRT television and an antenna, um, just left behind by somebody. And I would just turn it on from time to time because I was like, I don't know anybody. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I remember tuning in one late one night to whatever version of Strombo's show was at the time in 2008. Um, and they did this feature on Shad. And this was right after the old Prince had come out. And it was just like a little featurette um, off location. And yeah, I was like, wow, this guy is cool. Like, cause it's not just like, you know, playing his music, but it's actually like him talking. And like, I think he's like driving around in his mom's car or something to pick up like dry clean. I don't know. Yeah, something, just, something like he's doing he's a chores, good vibe, like doing very chores. Positive and, and I remember just being like, this dude 
is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just has like such a such a magnetic personality, even through the television screen. Uh, and I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna look him up. And like since then, I've been a fan. Um, in like what is currently my bedroom and also like my studio where I make everything. Uh, that is the first. That is where I first saw the video for Yeah, I Get It um, when TSOL came out. It wasn't my room at the time. I wasn't living at that place. A, a friend of mine lived there. And I remember us watching this video and just both being like, wow, this is amazing. I Like, this guy is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything he does sounds great, looks great. It's really, like, he's really sharp. Um, and, yeah, like, little did I know... Uh, about a decade later, he'd like be in that room, uh, like oh, that's finishing, magic. finishing, that's awesome. <laughs> finishing his bar, like finishing the bars for that song, and then like sitting next to me and recording them. Um, but yeah, no, Shad is great. Uh, we met through church because uh, like he used to go to used to and now does again now that he's back in toronto but used to go to the same church that i go to uh and i met him the first time i met him was right after he won the juno uh and he was just in town and he was just like hanging out he came to visit and then we all like went out and got a drink and i was super starstruck um but yeah like we he's like remembered me since and i like when he moved back to toronto uh we like caught up and he was like yeah tell me what are you working on now what do you like what kind of stuff are you doing now yeah i'm like i'm working on my new album which is a short story about a war which came out in 2018 it's like i'm working on my new album yeah let's get together let's play some stuff let's play some ideas back and forth so he came over and yeah we like played each other a bunch of things some different ideas used playing with at the time this was early in his process i played him a bunch of stuff that i'd been working on and at this period i was also like in the middle of like a extended hiatus from releasing music so i this was a this was again a, a period of study yeah. where i was just like listen just listening to new stuff and studying how to make new things and like actually making new styles of music that i never worked with um and just like just had this huge stash of beats on my computer that i was like i have no plans for any of this mm-hmm. uh, i don't know what i'm gonna do with it and then we ended up playing i ended up playing him this thing it was like a 10 minute like composition for like a runway show for a friend's fashion uh show and it was like a 10 minute thing so i was again it's all instrumental gotta keep it interesting no vocals so i like have these movements and switch ups and all this other kind of stuff and so i played that for him and he's like Oh, I like go from here. Go from here. Okay, let's take this. Let's take these two sections, these two movements of this like 808s like symphony that you've done here. Let's take those. Let's start them in a new project. Let's cook up this. Okay, what if we shorten this section? Okay, we can add another synth line here. Oh, we can cool. build it. and it yeah. and he has such a clear vision, clear and precise vision of what he is hearing and what he's thinking and what it, he's imagining and what he's like he doesn't even necessarily have bars written yet, but like what he intends to write to. And he has such a clear vision of all that. And we like cooked up this like arrangement together. And I sent that, sent him with that and, you know, like let him sit with it. And he like a couple months later sends it back. And I was like, these, this is incredible. And of course the song we did from that album, which is peace war, uh, is very conceptual in like the landscape of this very conceptual album. So it's just like, I haven't heard the rest of it yet. It's such a snapshot from this point in the album, in the story. And I was like, this is wild. This is, I've never heard you like do anything like this, but it's so good. What is, what is going on? And he won't tell me. (laughs) And he won't tell me. Just magic. Just uh, trust me, it, it'll it'll all make sense. And of course, at this time, he would tell me later. He was like, "Actually, I wasn't sure that the whole album was going to land. I wasn't sure it was going to come together. But that's kind of what I thought. And then, you know, maybe we'd add a couple other things after it. But then the album comes together. It's really great. People love it. Um, and yeah, that part of like the album is exactly perfectly placed. Exactly the right." 
song, the right energy and all of this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, this man is incredible and truly a visionary. And I learned a lot about like making like a, an album or like making a project of collected works um, conceptually from observing how he kind of like worked on the, his album. Um, so yeah, then by the time I like had enough pieces together where I was like, oh, these loose random songs that I've been working on are starting to congeal and form into a single project. And then once I had that, I was like, okay, what's missing here? And then, of course, you know, the the vision hits and it was like, okay, the gap that's missing here is like, I need something at this like tempo. I need something at this vibe. I need Shad. Yeah. <laughs> I need Shad to come rap on a beat that sounds like this and fits like this and fits here. And then I made that beat and then I tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it and kept warping it a little bit until finally it was just like oh yes this is exactly it send it to him don't touch it again uh and then he's like okay cool 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 i'll come with it and yeah the day he came over he was like yeah so i i've got it i've got a theme going i think i might need a couple more bars but what do you think and he like wraps it for me i was like yeah i think you need to add those like last two lines it just needs two more lines to like feel feel like the the length is right and then I, I watched him I just watched him sit there and like think on it and then write it write them oh right on the spot there, right on yeah. the spot write them and then yeah we just laid it down he didn't even stand up <laughs> yeah his mind is so like just quick-witted and everything yeah he yeah. he really knows he really knows uh music well and I think I one of the things I really enjoy about working with him but even just talking to him about music is that he uh he really can like lock in on the references he can really lock in on like all the music like the diversity of musical ideas that are like kind of like pinging off of each other in my work and kind of like pulling or making themselves present even though quietly in certain places and he can pick up on that stuff so he knows what to do with it mm-hmm. and i i love how like just the whole uh story of you watching him and being impressed from him on from watching music videos on strombo show all of that and now all of a sudden bam now we're buds on, yeah yeah but honestly you put the work in you do incredible music and even like i love about your style and even like reading on it too it's like it says it's got the hip-hop elements jazz and even anime i hear as well like yeah so <laughs> uh did you like take from specific anime to put on like this sh- thing? Is it like hidden in the track? Or? Uh, so there's no, so there are no like actual samples lifted from from any specific anime. Uh, but there was a period a couple of years ago, basically like right after my last EP came out, and I basically hit just like peak fatigue with the release cycle, and I was like, I just need to do something new i just i like whatever i'm doing just isn't working or isn't going to keep working if i keep doing this um and so there was a period like where i remember i distinctly remember just being like i'm so tired of listening to everything and i don't know what it is i just i'm i'm tired of everything that i instinctively gravitate toward listening um so i just deleted all the music off my phone except for one jay dilla album one mad lib album And then I just filled the rest of it. I just, like, took off all the regular music I listened to and just filled the rest of it with just, like, movie scores and anime scores. That's really cool. So I got, like, a bunch of uh, scores from Studio Ghibli movies and, I uh, like, a lot of Michael Giacchino. He's, like, one of my favorite uh, composers. Um, You know, some, like, Hans Zimmer uh, a couple of like Doctor Who scores oh, from different cool. seasons, and yeah, I was just like, yeah. I just really need to listen to something different or just be in a different, different headspace. Uh, also, I was like really big into Destiny at the time, uh, the video game. So, oh, nice, nice. So yeah, I yeah. like uh, put those scores on there as well as the Halo ones because yeah, and that's all like epic, cinematic feeling. Yeah, from so the I was Doctor like, Who I just really, I really need to listen to something different that 
something that still gets the same, uh, I think, like, range of emotion and the same range of, like, um, like energy and, and mood, but just, like, delivered very differently. And so I was like, yeah, cool. Actually, that's what a movie score is. Right, like a movie score is like a full journey. It's yeah, the yeah. it is, and it's underlying, and you never think about it, or you shouldn't think about it. There's definitely been some movies where I've been completely pulled out just by the score, um, and I'm like, I can't focus on the rest of this movie. But a good score is something that's underlying. You never think about it, and it carries you from point A to point B. Yeah, even like it, it's cool, like um, some of the references you made, because like a lot of those are like so captivating. You even mentioned Halo. And I even remember back in the day, I I put that in. I was like, I was a big Halo player, and just the music of the, not even into the game yet, just the main menu with the choir. Yeah, and I think even the the second one, they got Steve Vai like yep. shredding on the guitar. And oh yeah, I remember just like not even wanting to play the game. I'm like, I'm just gonna listen to this for that's a second a, and get that's goose, a thing that like that's and a thing yeah. that a whole generation will never know, like the video game sound test, the sound test menu. Uh, where you would just like go, it was like a thing in the settings and it was just like, you could just pick whatever song from the soundtrack you wanted to just play. And that was a thing that was, that was, uh, (laughs) lo-fi beats to chill slash study to before we had that. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. People would like put on their Game Boys or their Super Nintendos or their Playstations or whatever and put on the sound test menu. Yeah, and some of them were so, like, crazy. Um, I remember the one company, Rare, they did, like, uh, Donkey Kong Country and the the game used to come with a CD because the fucking soundtrack was so fire. And even yeah. till, like, that was, like, in the mid-90s. I even see, like, now, like... 2019 last year like rappers sampling like the water level and shit like they're just so iconic but epic they're great they're great compositions and great productions and so like you know during that time as i'm listening to all these scores i'm like also digging deep and trying to learn about okay so the people who like write this and like you know compose these scores and all these different themes what is going on like how like what is happening in their world that they can like write this, that yeah, they can yeah. come up with this stuff, that they can be inspired by this. And so, you know, like I watched uh, like docu-series like Red Bull did one called Digging in the Carts, which was where they interviewed all these like legendary composers from like classic video game scores. Um, I read up on, oh, I read up a ton on, um, oh, his name escapes me right now, Martin something, mm. uh, who did, uh, the Halo and Destiny scores, um, and his uh, and his partner who also like wrote used to write with him. And at the time, Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. Uh, and at the time, there was a huge fallout that was happening between Martin and Bungie, the developer of Halo and Destiny. And so it was, like, this huge thing where it was, like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is video game music nerd celebrity divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, And so I remember, like, there was a lot to read up about these guys and what was going on. And I remember, like, you know, finding all these different, like, stories and about, like, you know, where what was inspiring, like, the the sound selection and all this stuff, like where they got the idea for like the Gregorian choirs at the beginning of halo, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I, this cool, this is great for me because I need a break from having to make music and I need an excuse to just rediscover and learn about what makes making music fun for other people. Yeah, yeah. I like I'm all out of whatever it was that was keeping me going at the time. Yeah, it's almost like kind of hitting that reset button becoming like half a fan but also a student in a way mm-hmm. too because you're re-soaking in all these different things yeah. and looking at it in a, yeah, through a different so, lens. Yeah, so like I think there's this is kind of a thing that I really hope people will do with my music which is to kind of like listen to it really dig into it look at like half the reason i half the reason i'm doing this doing press for this record is because i want to talk about all the stuff that <laughs> yeah, like it's beyond went the into, sound yeah. that went into like all the stuff that just isn't at the surface level in a 20 minute 43 second ep right yeah um 
So I really hope that I'm making something. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to make something that like inspires people to dig deeper, learn more, look up more, and connect with other people who also, you know, connect with these things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's I love I love hearing you like break down like that whole process and all the different layers. I think that's why I do the show, get people in here and just talk about like their story and just yeah, beyond what you see in in the craft. You can always there's always something deeper. There's always a story behind the sounds and everything. But um, you also produce other people as well. Am I correct? Or... Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, done a bunch of, like, loose remixes and things for homies over the years. And, uh, so, you know, did the Shad album as well. And now, right now, I'm working on uh, a full-length album for a Toronto band uh, named Tiger Bomb. Yeah, and I listened to a bit of or uh, one of the tracks you made for them. It's yeah. really good and different from you as well. Yeah, so that one is so that one's really fun. This so saving face, the Lunar New Year edition is the single in question, and that one is really really funny because um, it really was just kind of a thing to just be like, you guys have been playing and gigging heavy and around the city for like almost three years you have such a devoted fan base you have people literally asking you to record music which does which a lot of us are making music and no one's asking for it uh you guys have done the hard part and you don't have a second of recorded music out what is going on right now and so you know i've been working with them for the last like five months or so and you know the plan was always yeah we're gonna go in we're gonna record this album we're gonna get stuff out um but they also ended up having a show for Lunar New Year booked, like, long in advance. Um, like, during this process while we've been, like, heads down getting into the music. Um, and so we're like, okay, f- well, you know, you have this thing coming up. We've been working on these songs a little bit. Might be might be just a fun exercise to just make a weird kind of th- throw away not really throw away but like just this weird very special version of this one song because it's that's not the version of the song that they play oh okay that's not the version of the song that's not what it sounds like when they play it that's not what it's gonna sound like on the album yeah just Um, a little remix but we're like yeah it was like a remix before the original (laughs) um but we're like yeah let's do something let's do some let's just get something out it'll be good for you guys to get some practice or some like experience in like recording before we go into the studio to like record the album and all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's one loose Lucy that we can just like put out there and you will then have some like recorded music presence. Right. Um, so that's what we did. And, you know, we went back and forth on it and like, I, uh, mixed it and kind of like threw in all these different, things again just like trying to make it like really feel like a special lunar new year gift like a I basically yeah. i was like i want this to be like the audio equivalent of a, a red pocket for lunar new year it's that's what it is it comes out one time it's special and that's exciting that's that's and then you go back to your regular life um so yeah that's what we did for that but yeah we've also just been in the studio recording the real version of that and other songs um and we're still recording a little bit but yeah they've been a joy to work with because uh they're 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 all very young and kind of like new to the industry and i think just like a part of me wants to just be like okay so here are the things that i wish people would have told me or shown me or taught me about at the time when I had not a clue. Oh, that's so cool. Um, here, yeah. here's what, here are the things that I think, you know, you need to know. Also, here are things that I think will really help you in conceptualizing your songs as recorded material. Because if you have all of this, you have this whole catalog of material that has only ever existed for live performance and it morphs and warps every single time. And in reality, you are still effectively like, writing and workshopping these songs in real time. Um, But 
it's a very different that's a very different way of thinking about music than for what is you know to be recorded and if you know quote unquote canonized yeah, right yeah. like once you record it and that's the version that you have that's the version of that's that song mm-hmm. that's that song and no matter how many gigs you've played this before everything every live performance that comes after this is just going to be relative to the canonized version of this song um so that's been like a very helpful exercise i've been you know taking them through and thinking about okay how do you actually want to lock these songs in how do you want to like tighten these songs if you had to listen to these songs because at the same by the same token you know you when you're on stage playing these songs you don't really hear them right like you hear whatever the monitor version of what you need to hear as an instrumentalist on whatever instru- part hears you don't really hear what the audience is hearing yeah so true. also being like if you had to listen to this what would you want to hear yeah um yeah. so that's like it's been a lot of just like helping them understand the music that they already have yeah which yeah. is a lot of fun for me because it really allows me to be kind of like big picture and kind of like doing that stuff of like reining it all in. So it all sounds cohesive. Um, And that's a lot easier to do when you also don't have to write and perform every single part of the song yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're really lucky to have a guy with like your spirit as well. And just being able to help because you can have like all the amazing song writing ability in the world, but like recording it is a whole different beast and everything. And even, uh, going full circle almost like what you were talking about at the beginning when you were at the garage band uh learning that maybe you had a vision in your head but turning that vision in your head into the actual piece and you definitely like uh yeah spent the years and put in the time really, to be able to do that for other people it's well. really an exercise in like sharing vocabulary because like they do have all the songwriting talent in the world they're great i'm very fortunate to work with them um and like also they're just wonderful women and i'm very fortunate to be friends with them but at the same time like having talent and having like kindness and a great personality like those are things that do not ultimately contribute to the recording process um do not contribute to like the technicality of things that go into a recorded you know a piece of recorded music and so i want to gift them and empower them and like help them you know find the find the vocabulary for all of that stuff so that they can eventually be able to do that for themselves and you know pay that forward as well nice nice and actually unrelated to all this music uh i hear you take pizza pretty seriously i take pizza so very seriously yeah, i'm kind a of game. a connoisseur myself too. okay yeah what's your thing you you make pizza as well uh yeah so uh a little bit less than less than i buy it (laughs) but uh uh yeah i have a group of friends and we started just like one of our activities because we all love pizza Mm -hmm. um was that we would like get together and like do a pizza bake and we would like make different styles of pizza um we would try out different combinations of toppings i wouldn't consider myself like a purist purist yeah but i do have rules yeah but my friend evan is like fully just pizza anarchist (laughs) he has suggested some truly abhorrent ideas what's Um, the craziest one you uh i can't really i can't remember but I'm sh- something with oysters once came into the chat and I was like, no, not at all. Not absolutely not. I will not stand for it. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's like a fun thing that we would do. I once took a road trip for pizza. Um, <laughs> Where'd you go? So we drove, uh, to, we drove to Detroit. Um, yeah, we drove to Detroit because we wanted to get Detroit-style pizza, which is a thing not enough people are talking about. Yeah, I'd never heard of this before. Detroit-style pizza. Let's talk about it. Yeah, more. what makes Detroit different from here or New York or Chicago? Do they have their own like unique thing? I think that Detroit, similarly to Chicago and actually not that similarly to New York, 
is one of the few regions that like actually has a very clear and distinct style of pizza. Because people like to talk about like a New York slice, but there's like there's like a million versions of that. Yeah, true, true. There's a million. New York depends a, where you go. New York's a big place. Yeah, uh, there's a million versions of that. But Chicago is like Chicago style deep dishes, essentially a lasagna hot tub of cheese and sauce, and is great. But you only need to have it once for six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Detroit style um, is so Detroit style is typically square and is also uh, baked in a pan in like a deep dish pan as well. So, you know, kind of like the the like effect of like the crust that you get from like Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but it's like a square and it and it can be sometimes even deeper than that. Um so be is quite it like dense. a thick slice? Or yeah, no? I would say I would say it's like not as it's not as like overwhelming as like Chicago style deep dish, but it is like uh, a like deeper dish. Uh, Interesting. Deeper so dish probably pie. in the middle between New York and Chicago, you would say. Yes. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so so yeah, we went to Detroit uh, to go to Buddy's, which is one of my favorite places. Um, of all, they are basically like the Detroit style place in Detroit. Um, we really did want to go to Ann Arbor because that is the birthplace of Domino's pizza and they have their world headquarters there. Uh, we wanted to hit the gift shop, but they are closed on weekends. Oh no, they are not. (laughs) They, they hold regular business hours and I'm like, this is silly. This is a national treasure. You should open this to the public. What what would they sell at the gift shop? Just like a bunch of shirts? Or uh, shirts, uh, visors, <laughs> accessories, socks, <laughs> uh, slippers, slides. Uh, you name it. They've got it. And I was just like, I want anything. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't available. So we didn't end up making it to Ann Arbor. Then we looped back around and went to Sarnia, Ontario, which underrated national treasure uh Jeresi's pizza factory is there um yeah i don't i don't know if i want to make it too hot yeah yeah that's like your thing your special spot i don't know if i want to blow blow it up that much but anyway like Jeresi's is great though uh their thing apparently is their sauce they like apparently have this like recipe that they've had for years and years and years and years and years secret recipe and they like let it stew over 24 hours and it's fantastic it is it is truly everything I want in pizza. Nice. I, I'm going to have to check it out. Um, yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I'm from the Niagara region. So when I was younger, like me and my parents would take like treks over the border to like, mm-hmm. to like Niagara, New York and Rochester. And there's something about like just even going a few miles away where it all changes. Like the yeah. pizza, chicken wings are on another level, getting closer to Buffalo. And I, I don't know what it is. I think... The further away you get from that hub, it's just like people don't have the right ingredients, whatever they... Yeah, I don't know what exactly... There's a certain different kind of pepperoni. It's so different sauce. It's Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is about, like, certain places. And you see this, of course, like, in a lot of American cities. But, like, having very clearly distinct regional styles of things, I can't really think of anything in Canada that's like that. Um Although, you know, shout out to the guys, my homies over at Big Trouble Pizza. They're out here championing, you know, the fight for a Toronto-style pizza. I applaud them in their efforts. I am with them in solidarity and in just buying pizza. I was there yesterday. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, I just really love pizza, and I really love people who love making an effort in making pizza special. Yeah, yeah. I think... It, it's such an everyman food, and I think there are a lot. There are probably a lot of purists who are like, "No, this is special. You got to make it this way." Da 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 da. I was like, most of the world's experience of pizza is not that it is special. It is that it is for everyone and it is beloved. Yes. And so yeah. I'm like, that's that's what pizza is now. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it has become to the whole world. That's what pizza is now. Yeah. Well. I love hearing about your passion to pizza. It seems like music and pizza are your your two big passions oh, and everything. Oh man, yeah. I uh, I won't talk about it too much. But yeah, <laughs> I won't talk about it too much. But I am really, really working on and planning something special in the way of 
of combining combining the two of these yes. things. <laughs> awesome. Bringing awesome. the two of these things to life. Yeah. Keep Maybe me, by yeah. the time this comes out, I will have like like manifested it and properly, you know, made it happen or got it underway, but <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I have, and, so, I have so many dreams. <laughs> yeah, and let us know. And we're almost out of time. I want to remind people that uh, Full Spectrum is dropping March 20th, right? Yes, yes. yes. And you said you just announced a release show. What day yes, is that? Yes, uh, release show, uh, April 2nd at the Rivoli. Uh, please come through. Tell one friend. Bring another one because everybody who's on the record is going to be in the building. So Phoenix Pagliacci is coming. Desiree Dawson is coming. Shad is coming. Rebecca Hawker is coming. Fire. And on top of that, we've got an opening set by my boy, my big brother, Eloquent, who also just dropped an absolute heat rock of an album. So go check that out as well. And basically come enjoy two release shows for the price of one. You can't lose. Yeah, exciting times. And final question. What is your favorite Pokemon? Oh, wow. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I should have been better prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You're on the spot right now. I should have been better prepared how about, for how this. About, uh, how about give me three of them? There's, there's, oh, man, there's so many. There's Even just three so many two? Pokemon <laughs> yeah. now. Isn't there like uh, okay. thousands okay, now? Okay. <laughs> there's like 800 and something now. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Um, if you were a Pokemon, which one would you No, no, no. I, okay, I, I've got my favorite. Okay, okay. Or at least my favorite for the purposes of this exercise right now. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go with Mewtwo. Mewtwo. Okay, cool. That's uh, one of the few I know. I kind of know the f- first bit gen. of the first gen, and Mewtwo is like the, the, the psychic one, right? Yes. Yeah, nice, nice. Yes. Good choice. Number 150. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Mewtwo. Um, yeah, like I – ah, oh, shoot. No, now I know that's wrong. It's not Mewtwo. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Suicune. <laughs> What's, from second generation. Okay. What 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 is he's that? He's one, one of the legendaries from the second generation. Uh so he's the star of Crystal, which was the last Pokemon game I owned before Sword came out. Okay. Yeah, um, which is a new one, right? Which is one of the new ones. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Suicune, Ice type. Ice type dog, beautiful. Amazing. Well, Thank you for everything. You've been a great guest. Nice to meet you and everything. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers, man. You're welcome back anytime. And like every episode, we're going to end with a song. So, yeah. Take it or leave it. Be mindful. My feelings are on the table now. I'm trying this new thing where I say what I'm meaning. Please don't shut me up. We can have a conversation. Maybe you go first. I know sometimes I keep you waiting. When I can find the words, I love that you're always patient. When I'm up inside my head, I want to thank you and remind you that what you're saying is what you get. What I'm saying is what I meant. Said you want it all of me. This is all of me. 
Shut me out. Shut me out. 